love you. I can't do it as well as you can. <laughs> Thank you, Cash Potatoes, for coming back today. We have another lovely uh, potato pick for you here today to start off your, your uh, Thursday of the month. And uh, I am the Green Traveler from Gorge. Hello! I am the Faceless Leon. And uh, this is a podcast about movies and TV called Green Faceless on the Couch. And we're talking about Robin Williams today. It is also the potato pick. We want to thank uh, Delma Callahan, as always, for suggesting this pick where we uh, feature some performances by the great Robin Williams. Yeah, I already hinted at we're going to talk about Mrs. Doubtfire and Goodwill Hunting. And uh, as you, as you mentioned before, uh, the you know Goodwill Hunting, not really the star of the show. Robin Williams, really. uh, that is more, you know, he is more of a supporting role, fantastic supporting role. Yeah. In regards to his performance, though, it is one of his, in my opinion, it's one of his best. True. Uh, man has a has a lucrative filmography, and it, uh, whenever I look at it, Goodwill Hunting is always one that immediately just sticks out oh, to definitely. me. I, I love that movie as a kid. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he won the Sporting Actor Award for that, didn't he? Yes, yeah. Oscars. Yeah, the movie itself, as my DVD loudly proclaims on the cover, <laughs> uh, nominated for nine Academy Awards, winner of Best Original Screenplay and Best Supporting Act. Started fucking flung the already... Blossoming careers of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon yeah. catapulted them. I mean, specifically in regards to uh, behind the camera. Oh, definitely. Because, like, you know, they wrote the script and it was just, yeah. you know, I mean, they acted, they both acted in it also and they became great actors, but it's that script that I remember. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But first, we're going to talk about Mrs. Doubtfire because it came out Indeed we are. four years later, earlier, rather. And, and that's, <laughs> that's how we the year the year I was born the year my alien yeah. spaceship crashed um, onto this earth d- depending oh so it wasn't the year you were born then I mean Possibly. the year my human form was born oh yeah I don't know our our timeography is muddled <laughs> like I don't remember it <laughs> timeography timeline whatever uh, I'm gonna yeah, I'm I like gonna timography. go through and just lift all the the bits about our time period and compile them together and then we'll put it <laughs> on one. uh the patreon page so if you want to ca- make check a classified wiki after i do it next year um you can go to patreon.com slash green faceless <laughs> <laughs> i mean even while you're waiting for it to come uh come up in that year you can still go down to uh, patreon.com slash yeah, green sure faceless There's good and look stuff at there. and and th- th- this yeah. episode the potato pick is suggested by our patrons so if you want to help shape this show i mean we'll probably do other actor focuses uh now that this is a segment of our show that this is the second time that one of our patrons has come up with a new segment i think last month yeah it was it met last month or the month before we did an old versus new which i think can be a very fun segment yeah especially a couple months ago i think i can't remember when though (laughs) i think it was january's it was january okay i think so i don't know time has been weird man this winter yeah the whole last two years is just one one day yeah right i think part of it is this show 
to be perfectly honest. Because yeah. we're, we're such... turning our brains off for longer than we normally do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But also, I think it's just like the regiment of getting the show out. Like, you know, we get yeah. two of these out a week. And it just, that's just, it's a really, it takes more than just the one day that, you know, right. it, that it goes out. It takes all week <laughs> yeah, to, like, per, to, per, to do, produce both the episodes. Yeah. So. I've become such a, I'm such a workaholic that I've literally turned everything in my life into work. So it's like I go to my actual job that pays me money. Uh, I come home and do this job, right. which, you know, pays some money. Not much, but it pays some. Yeah. You guys are lovely out there, and we appreciate we you do. for helping Thank us out. Thank you so much for the support. And then, when I play video games, I'm currently playing two re- on the regular that are that both involve me having a job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Animal Crossing being one? Yeah. I, I wasn't including that in the other two, but I, when I remember it, yeah, Animal Crossing is definitely its own job in and of itself. What are the so. other two? Yeah, I'm such a workaholic that I literally have turned every single aspect of my life into working. <laughs> what are the other two games that you're playing? Uh, Phasmophobia, where oh, right. you are a ghost hunter trying to uh, uh, discover what ghost is in a house, what's, what kind of ghost is haunting a house that is, and then... Uh, just i've been playing the last few days recently because i have a you know a nice working computer again i can play video games i've been playing papers please papers please yeah you're a border crossing agent in a, a fictional world but um there's a lot of shit going on and you're not allowed to let certain people into the country oh so it's like oh shit yeah. those kind of papers okay yeah, yeah, they they show you your their passport and you know other identifying information if it's needed and you have to like research everything on there and be like, no, no, this passport says that you're like uh, six foot two, but you can't even like peek up over my countertop. You're clearly not six foot yeah. two. You know, discrepancy, get the fuck out of here. You're not coming to my country like that kind yeah. of stuff. It's very minute details, but what it's like, mean? it's six <laughs> point, just another job. 6.2 decameters. I don't think so. Six foot two. Yeah, I heard what you said. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Sorry. That's okay. I didn't think. I didn't know if it had come across. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. But yeah. This is Doubtfire. Which one do you want to expl- to synopsize? I, I feel like personally, you would relate more to Mrs. Doubtfire sure. in regards to the family situation. Sure. Yeah, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that this is the better performance, but it is definitely the performance that Robin Williams gets to be what makes him Robin Williams. Right. Um, I will hold off my... I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, I will hold off on, on how I feel that it applies to the movie, though. Okay. So, Daniel Hillard is an actor, particularly good at voice work. And uh, he has trouble holding down a job, though, because he has uh, ridiculously high principles on certain things. Yeah. Uh, I would say, but okay, that I I mean, it's not that I don't agree with what he was saying. He was working on a cartoon where they shove a cigarette into his character's mouth. That then the character is like, "Oh yeah," and he's got kids, yeah. and he's like, yeah. "I don't like that." So this, yeah, he refuses to yeah, do it. And this movie is about the kids so he has three kids lydia being the eldest lydia is played by lisa Jacob. maybe maybe it's just jacob 
but it's it's spelled with a K and a U. Chris <laughs> is played by Matthew Lawrence. And Natalie, the the very youngest, she's like five or something, is played by Mara Wilson. And very adorable. And it, I mean, she's, yeah. I mean, all the parts she played in in the 90s, she was freaking adorable. Matilda. Yeah. I mean, in, in the, uh, oh yeah, that's right, she was Matilda, I forgot yeah. about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's also directed by Chris Columbus, who would later on go to do the first two Harry Potter movies, mm-hmm. like. We we know he's good with children actors, right. and he does a good job with children actors here. Like he he is he is one of the greater directors at uh, at getting great performances for right. kids. Yes, definitely, especially like I mean, Home Alone, great out the gate. Anyhow, he gets fired. Like I said, uh, no, he quits. That rather, and he comes home early due to that. And it is Chris's birthday, but because he had a bad report card, he's not supposed to have a party. And they throw basically a rager, a kid rager. I think it should specify that it's his mom who who is very adamant oh, that right. he is not yes. allowed to have a party. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Being Miranda Hillard, played by Sally Field. And I always thought it was Sally Indeed. Fields, that it's Field. But you love her, right? You really love In her. In this particular movie, I do actually love her. But she's also very much she she's forced to play the bad guy f- because of Daniel because Daniel just right. wants to have fun all the time and he thinks the kid's life should be fun all the time and that's great and all but somebody has to be responsible for them and thus exactly. uh, the problems that they have in their marriage which. Is this is the story of their marriage falling apart? Rather, it's more the the merit the story of the custody battle for the kids. Yeah. So he has to get a job and hold down an apartment and make it an appropriate place to live for the kids before he can have dual custody with them. At this point, he is only allowed to see them on Saturdays, but he's desperate about his kids. A little obsessed. Yes, but. At the same time, when Miranda says that she's looking for a housekeeper slash babysitter for the kids because she's working all the time, Daniel's like, why yeah. can't I just watch the kids? She she won't let him. And he decides- Which makes sense. A little bit, but I think that- He has proven himself irresponsible. He is irresponsible. When you look at the apartment he lives in, it is inc- at least at the beginning, yes. it is incredibly bad condition. Yes, he- he can't that cook. first scene it's just everything in boxes uh later it's uh old lady clothes everywhere yeah so <laughs> anyhow here's that she I'm needs just, a i'm just saying at go ahead go ahead i'm just saying at the at the forefront of the of the of the movie when she's just like i you know you, you shouldn't be handling you know having custody of these kids for a long period of time or at least like watching over them while i'm at uh work I'm in agreement with the mom here. He's he's an ir- irresponsible slob. Yeah. It was just like... A little bit. He's not offering a healthy environment for them to be raised in, especially not one that's going to like... I don't know. But I, I'm in agreement with her, even though she is presented as the villain. I, I'm wholeheartedly like, yeah, I get you, girl. Right. Like, So, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously... Uh, I, so, I am a child of divorce as well. And mm-hmm. my dad was obviously much more responsible <laughs> than, than <laughs> Daniel, but I just, I just 
couldn't imagine how he would feel if my mom didn't let oh, us yeah. see him. That is the sad part. Yeah. It's like I do feel for his character, but at the same time, he does get to see them on weekends, at least at the beginning. What? It's just one the, day. It's just Saturday. Yeah, but the the it's the caretaking thing where it's just like you're gonna be at work, come babysit the kids while I'm here. Like one, you're going through a divorce. It's right. already a weird situation. I understand it's very that, awkward it, and hard yeah. for the the couple. Yeah, so like I, I was in agreement with her when he was just like, "Let me take care of the kids." I'm like, "I don't know, man. <laughs> I can imagine the little girl running out and like getting lost or getting kidnapped or oh, something happens." I think he's better than yeah. that. But anyhow, Daniel decides that he could fill that role as the housekeeper, and he is a great, pretty talented actor. So he goes to his uh, brother Frank, played by Harvey Fierstein. Yes. What? Love him. It's Jack, right? I believe Scott Caparo plays uh, his partner. And they do this great scene where they make him up like a woman. Right. Of bits where they sing numbers and it's just hilarious. Like they do Fiddler on the Roof and uh, a Barbara Streisand song. Um, Mm. It's pretty good stuff. For for a montage, it's great. That's that's my problem. That's that's where my whole issue with this film is is it's two hours and I think fifteen minutes long, and in my opinion, it should be an hour and a half, and you can cut out all the montages, and it would uh, still be as just as strong of a movie. Save just this one. I don't know. It could be construed I, as insensitive to uh, transgender people, though, too. So, uh, right? Who knows? That's like that's the weird part about this film is is, I mean it's it's enjoyable. Yeah, and I don't I like it. I don't think and forgive me if cross dressing is not a, a, a an appropriate term, but I don't think uh, individuals who are cross dressing or cross dressers or transgender individuals will take offense to this movie because <laughs> everything about it is done in you know it's all lighthearted right. and joyful and right. like there's there's a story and a lot of messages here about uh, separation and divorce and how. And in the effects right. on the family, but the main character, the one who is who is cross dressing as you know as Mrs. Doubtfire, that character, what was his name, Daniel? Daniel, yeah, yeah. Daniel himself is not is neither a, a cross dresser nor transgender. No, he- so it's it's a really weird area where it's like they're employing aspects of these this this community but they are not part of that community at all it is which, very similar to to tootsie in that way secret review of tootsie but i think this does it a little bit better because i've never seen tootsie uh, tootsie he does it just to get a role because he can't get a role as an actor right and that's very incredibly selfish okay. reason to impersonate a woman, especially if it's not yeah. a life choice that you want to make. Here, he just wants to see his kids. And it helps him get a role. <laughs> and it does help him get a role later on. It does. That is the end of the movie. Uh, however, I, there are some jokes in that first montage that I think right. that that's, I was talking about particularly that scene. There's some jokes. Yeah. I don't think the concept will be by most people misconstrued as insulting because. Yeah. Because it's very tastefully done. Yeah, too. I think it's so like too. The, yeah, but there's there's some dated jokes in that scene. Is all I, yeah. I meant to say. 
Right, right. And, and his brother, uh, again, played amazingly and beautifully by the awesome Harvey Fierstein. Yes. I love him. Yeah, his voice, like. very recognizable because it's so heavily, like, uh, I don't know if I can do his voice. I was oh, trying no. to do I don't know if anybody really can besides Oh, buddy. Oh, oh, that's it's very, good, though. Very gravelly smoker's yeah. voice. <laughs> But he he is a makeup artist and a very good one. He makes uh, uh, the brother of the character is not Harvey Fairstein himself, right? Right. <laughs> but the character is very good at making masks. Uh, the the form fitting rubber masks that you know you would put on your face and it would the lips would move and everything. It looks like it's very realistic. Yeah. And you know that's that's why it's very tastefully done. Is like when you get the final character of Mrs. Doubtfire, she is her own thing. Mm-hmm. She is a you know a person in, a, in and of herself. And of course, you can see Robin Williams under it if you're looking right. for the details. But it's he pulls off the acting and the character so fucking well that it really does just completely feel like somebody new, a whole new character. Euphigenia Doubtfire, dear. Yes, <laughs> it's a good voice. And like, yeah. I don't mind the montage scenes. I can get through them and they are funny. They do have funny moments. But that's that was like my biggest problem with the whole movie. Because Robin is an improv actor. And so with those, you typically do like 10 takes. He gives you a different energy and a different character with each take. And then the editor chooses one that best fits the film. Here... The editor chose every single one of those takes and put them in <laughs> so, to where to where he is spinning around the chair with the makeup on his face. Uh, Robin Williams, that is, saying the not a different line or not not the exact same line, but it's it's a different line each time. It's always a different impression that he's putting right. on. But it's literally the exact same shot and scene. Over and over and over again. And after the third or fourth one, I'm like, okay, editor, we, we've had it. Let's cut and go to the next scene. No, we're going to keep going. <laughs> we got See, more songs to do. We got. I can't stand it. It's Well, I just have to wholeheartedly disagree. Because That's I fine. think what it, it does is just, it's a good showcasing of Robin Williams' comedy. Like, he's just, oh, he's just so fast. Like, he just come up with shit off the spot, and nobody c- can produce jokes right. like he can at that speed. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I just we'll get to it with good Goodwill Hunting. I think his improving in that film is phenomenally better because of how it was brought into the movie. Because in in Mrs. Doubtfire, the over repetition for people like me who have so many mental issues (laughs) that bothers me when i'm watching i'm just like oh my god this is two hours already come on please like i I got stuff else i gotta do tonight i gotta watch this movie uh and and i'm still laughing and enjoying it but it's just that repetition that bothers me whereas in goodwill hunting all of his improv skills are delivered through some very fucking amazing speeches yeah. That feel like they're written in the script, but when you look in behind the scenes, a lot of it was improv on the spot, and he's just going with a story, and right. it's just, yeah, it's it, I don't know how it's brought into the film. I think is much much better done in Goodwill Hunting. Sure, because yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, I just think it's it w- it was great to see. There's just a, so much of of his personality in this particular film. Yeah. Like so, for me, I mean, he—he's a hero of mine. I will—I'll say that straight up. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for a lot of people, feel that way. 
but as an actor myself, I look up to him a lot. And right. this is one of the roles that, you know, I just watched over and over as a child um, because it's just so funny. And Yeah, we watched a lot too. Yeah. And, you know, there's other other roles that he has where they let him just go off um, – like pretty much every role, but <laughs> but like where it's it's the comedy side of it, and they're more adult. So you know, this is the the version that I got to watch over and over again. <laughs> this is yeah, this is this and Aladdin is what made me fall in love with him. You know? Yeah, and I don't want to say sound like I'm attacking the character because I think no, everything he's putting forth is beautiful. And like I said many times during those montage scenes, I am laughing and I am enjoying them. I'm yeah. just saying that the editor, in my opinion, should have taken the best one or two takes and not the best four or five takes. Because <laughs> it's just like whenever he does his movies, when you see the improv moments, you're like, yep, that was an improv moment. I want to know what the other ten were that he did. And you can find them in the behind the scenes or whatever, the deleted scenes. Like, they always right. have them. Whereas in this one, it just chose to do every single take <laughs> that he did. And I'm just like, no, come on. There's some good ones. And then there's some ones that I'm just like, okay, come on now. I don't like montages. They bother me. Uh, that that sent me on a memory lane of a shoot that I did once. But I, I didn't want to get into the story. <laughs> so uh, we should probably move on. Not to closing statements, maybe, because I feel like we haven't really moved past <laughs> this montage. And we haven't even talked about Stu. So, no, Miranda, she has a business proposal from an old fling named Stu, played by Pierce Brosnan. Now, Pierce, as we all know, is very charming. Uh, yes. I think he's more attractive now than he was then, but it was the 90s. How am I supposed to gauge that? Yeah, it's a salt and pepper beard. Yeah, that um, it is. It really gets us. It's spicy. So this, however, this movie, him coming out of the pool, having his hair slicked back, it was very informative of my swimming. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. yummy. Well, I, I didn't necessarily, not necessarily that. I just, every time I got out of the pool, I made sure my hair was was slicked back <laughs> like that yeah i never had long hair until just now yeah so. <laughs> I, I had it like at varying degrees of length but it is definitely the longest it's ever been now pa- the pandemic Same. has yeah. really lent to um <laughs> me experimenting with uh yeah that anyhow Stu really likes miranda and uh finagles his way into a relationship with her and i say it like he's a villain he's only a villain in uh daniel's eyes uh right he's he's this business guy he wasn't he's not probably not the most natural father figure but he does fall in love with the kids and daniel is super jealous the kids aren't too sure about him either i think natalie likes him okay Um, yeah and the movie doesn't do a good job either of making his and Miranda's relationship like connect because it's mm-hmm. just kind of like she's kind of just fawning over him and he's just kind of there. Right. And then they're just dating and it's just like, well, I, don't know, for- I think it's all in that first office meeting, but it's an easy yeah. f- scene to forget uh, it, that he comes in to look at her designs and stuff. But he's not – he's really there to try to rekindle this thing they used to have. 
He right, but he had no idea that she was married at all, and but you know after he came <laughs> now forward, she's two weeks divorced. Now she's two <laughs> weeks divorced. Yeah, he he had no idea about that either, so he doesn't know that it's ill timed. But apparently, no. he's persuasive and charming enough that he worked his way into a relationship with her after a matter of months. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like the apparently he's persuasive and charming enough. We don't see that. Yeah, we it's don't. It's not see that. really presented there's at all. A, that's what I'm saying. The, the movie doesn't time. connect it. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of time that they don't show because Mrs. Doubtfire really gets involved in their lives. Especially, yeah. like, even Miranda's. Miranda's like, I don't know what I would do without her. Because yeah. Daniel comes to her a couple of times after he becomes more responsible. And it's kind of interesting to watch how Mrs. Doubtfire helps Daniel, too. Right. Uh, there's there's a particular scene where it's not very helpful. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a pretty funny scene, but with the, uh, yeah. the security, the inspector, security, the child up. What do you call him? Social worker. Social worker. There's a where he plays both Mrs. Doubtfire and Daniel at the same time. Uh yeah, and it, it gets great. very complex. You know, it's a good romp scene. It's it's hilarious. Yeah. And it's it's really fun and I, I that's one of my favorite scenes. And that's where I actually love the movie more, is in watching Mrs. Doubtfire touch everybody. Yeah. So it's just like including him, because as I was saying at the beginning, Daniel is a slob. Yeah, like he, he in my opinion, he is not a good. Uh, it, I am in agreement with the mom at the very beginning of not wanting him to be the caretaker while she's at work. Sure, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. He he has proven many times over before the film and at the very beginning of the film with the party scene that he doesn't listen to her and right. doesn't take care of the kids. Yeah, after Mrs. Doubtfire comes into their lives. That's all changed. He's learned responsibility, and right. as Mrs. Doubtfire, he's enforcing her rules onto the kids in a in a good way, yeah, in a, in a uh, peaceful way. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but that's like I, I enjoy watching him develop through her. That's yes, like the I most fascinating too. part of this film. I do too, and the kids too. I think like yeah. you know they that that's kind of more in the background too. Like it's it is very focused on Robin's performance as these two characters. Yeah, and maybe that is det- a detriment to the film. I'm not sure. I'm not so sure because, like you said, the relationship with Stu and Miranda. There's just a lot of time that's that's not in the movie, yeah. and you know, a lot of movies do that. Anyhow, the ki- the two older kids do find out eventually, which actually makes the the job of keeping it secret from Miranda easier because right. they're in on on the game. However, like I was saying, Daniel eventually comes forward because he's got his life together now and he's like, "Well, can I start taking care of them?" And she's like, "No, I need Mrs. Doubtfire." So he planted himself too deep. He became his yeah. own enemy. <laughs> Yeah. And it all culminates in the restaurant scene where he is at the same time trying to be Mrs. Doubtfire for Miranda's birthday and have a production meeting with Mr. Lundy, the the head of his studio, played by Robert Prosky. And uh, he gets super drunk with Mr. Lundy, Lundy, rather, drunk off scotch. And he keeps on running to the bathroom. That It's another great romp scene. He tries to poison Stu. 
and uh, Ben accidentally sits at the table as Mrs. Doubtfire, and uh, yeah, I think we'll leave what happens in this explosive scene to the viewer. It's a classic film. If you haven't seen it, I think you should see it. But like you said, there are some things. It's not a perfect movie. And I mean, like that whole ending scene too, like as a kid, I didn't realize he was getting drunk. And so right. when he makes that decision to poison Pierce Brosnan, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. it, dude just yeah. said he was allergic to that. It bothered the crap out of me as a kid. Like, I was like, it was the right. first time I saw him as a villain. Because mm-hmm. I didn't understand he was just mm-hmm. drunk and, not, and acting irresponsible like his old self. So it's like, as an adult, it all makes sense. And I like, I like that ending a lot. But as a kid, it kind of just bothered me that he right. did that. It didn't stop me from rewatching the movie a thousand times. But like, I was just like, what the what fuck did that? he just do to Pierce? <laughs> he killed James Bond. What the fuck, Bond? <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Smack. <laughs> uh, so, closing statements about this movie. I fucking love this movie. I, I'm going to give it a face and a half. Even though I recognize that there are things that you know are perfect about it uh it it really just does just focus on daniel but everybody is improved by mrs doubtfire so i don't know it's a warm feel-good movie at the end even though it's kind of bittersweet so uh yeah it's one of my favorites so can't can't not give it a face and a half go ahead that's fair i give it three stars i still wildly enjoy it i think it's very very good it's just the the runtime is my only problem because when i looked back at this movie i literally thought it was an hour and 20 hour and 30 minutes long mm. and then when i pulled it up on the on the streaming site or whatever i used to watch it i think it's on disney plus yeah okay yeah this is on disney plus and i pulled it up and i was just like oh fuck this is 40 minutes longer than i thought it was and i did not budget enough time for this oh, shit. <laughs> and, and a lot of it was just because of the the padded gags like i don't get me wrong i love robin williams gags I will mm-hmm. definitely watch a shit ton of them, but it just it, for the movie itself, I feel like there was so much more that they could have and should have covered. Yeah, that they just they took too much time on this, and and it's just it, a lot of his work is already beautifully on point through the Doubtfire character herself, and then also at the end with Mister Lundy, you know, there's a there's a good moment where he's doing a bunch of gags with some toys, and that's what gets Mister Lundy's attention because he's just like, oh, this guy's funny. And I need a new comedy show. Yeah, and it's just like those are those are where you can let his his abilities shine is those moments that make sense for the story. Gotcha. I'm talking out you my ass it, here. I still, you think it would be stronger with a little less where it's unnecessary. I understand. Right. If they don't yeah, understand, but, if they hate you for it, that's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> thank you. I mean it's still I give it three stars, and if you love Robin Williams and you love just seeing those like those gags, it's very much on point here so this is the perfect movie for you and it's got a lot to say about divorce and separation so Definitely. you know that's that's a great movie for it uh great movie for those messages as well so definitely go out and see it but uh before we before we go into goodwill hunting should we get soda pop yeah let's get soda pop I think we're back. In Boston, apparently the old people, they call soda pop tonic. Call it tonic. Tannics? Tannics? Yeah, tonic. Can I have a tonic? Give, on, give me a tonic. Gin and tonic? Just a gin and soda? I have an soda. 
IC Cola. Oh, uh, sorry, Boston. Sorry. We're here today for the second half of this episode to talk Goodwill Hunting. Made in 1997. One of my favorite films as a kid, uh, just because it was one of my dad's favorite films, I think. It's uh, it's directed by Gus Van Zant. He did the mm-hmm. remake of Psycho and I believe also Milk, the story about the the oh, yeah. gay senator. That's pretty Harvey good. Milk. Sean Penn. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. And it's uh Yeah, and Google Hunting written as we said before, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, who also star in it, alongside therapist Robin Williams, who plays like uh, I believe the therapist's name is Sean. Yes. And then there's also Stellan Skarsgård, Sean's friend. Uh, so, basically what happens is Ish. Matt Damon is a incredibly anger-filled individual, Will Hunting, but he's also a very intelligent individual. He has, possibly has photographic memory. He can read like not, a motherfucker. He can read like a motherfucker, that's for damn sure. Yeah, he, he's just, he's very smart. He know, He has math skills out the wazoo. So such good math skills that I think what was uh was Stellan Skarsgård's character a Harvard professor? Um, or, he's a professor of some sort. He's a, well, he's Harvard a mathematics professor, that's for sure. Right, uh, and he was some and, kind of star in the university. Yeah, Kinda like when we had Har- uh, Benson. Yeah, he won like the Field Medal, I think, is what it was called. He won the something like that. Maybe I'm just me- remembering Sally Field. Yes. And Stellan Skarsgård's character puts up an impossible to solve problem on the board, tells the students, you know, it's like, might take you six months, but if you can solve this problem, yada, 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 yada. Well, they come back the next day and janitor Will Hunting, without anybody knowing, has already solved the problem. And Stellan Skarsgård's amazed. He asks his students, he's like, who did this? No one is coming forward to uh, take credit. And he's just blown away. He's like, how did somebody solve this? Was This was supposed to be a while. Puts up another one, even more impossible to solve. Said it took him and his his colleagues like so many months to so many years to to solve the proof. And he's like, go ahead and do it. Comes back one day to find Will Hunting, the janitor again of the university, in the process of solving it. He mistakes it from the distance. The Stellan Skarsgård mistakes it as graffitiing. And he yells at Will. And Will walks away. And Stellan tries to like chase him down, yelling at him not to graffiti his work right. or anything. Him and his assistant, who I don't remember who plays the assistant or what his assistant's yeah. name is. I'm so, I'm so sorry. It I think his name's Tom. Tom. Played by John Mitten. Oh, yeah. poor Tom. But, you know, they come back and they look at yes. the, what was what Will Hunting was doing. And Will was, like, most sur- assuredly about to solve the problem. Everything was correct that he had written down so far. So, they go out and they find Will. And they discover a huge rap sheet. A very, very bad long list of misdemeanors and and beatings, specifically violent. Usually assault. Yeah, usually assault. He And and he hangs around with his, like, best friends, Ben Affleck being one of them. And the other two, I can't remember their names. I'm so sorry. Uh, Well, one of them is Casey Affleck, played by, uh, excuse me, rather, is Morgan played by Casey Affleck. And I believe the other is Billy played by... Joel Hauser. How yeah. did I not know it was Casey? Well, oh my god. I mean, this is the role that I remember him in as, as being the classic Casey Affleck role. So yeah, I'm a, I am kind of surprised. 
Um, I mean, but, I just know him for like the the Manchester by the Sea days. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I didn't even, I haven't watched that, so I don't know. Oh, that's the that's the case. Yeah, that's I know. much later. I that's I amazing. know him. I think the one that I know him the most for is uh, the assassination of Jesse James oh, by yeah. the coward Robert Ford. That's a good one. I think I remember that movie so much because of the title i'm like what the hell how'd they get away with this title it's too long it's too long (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's amazing but um, super review of i'm not gonna say the title again (laughs) (laughs) but yeah here here matt damon will hunting he's hanging out with all these these 'er ne'er-do-wells the they're all i think they're i don't know if they're all construction workers the, the Stellan Skarsgård character sees them as ne'er-do-wells. Yes, yes. They, mo- okay. they are not. They're they're revealed to be very emotionally bonded. Like, yeah. they're tight-knit brothers, all of them. Very yeah. close familial, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Just familial. They're family. And they are Will's yeah. family. Yeah, and, it's, and, and he was himself, Will Hunting, is an orphan. So, you know, this is his – this is the family he has chosen. You know, he didn't. He didn't have parents. He had foster parents who, uh, I think, his stepfather. It's mentioned beat him or would burn out cigarettes. Yeah. But he- there, it was several different foster homes uh, that were yeah. abusive to him. And it's it's just weird because there's moments where he'll say stuff like that, and like he says that out of anger to his love interest, played by Minnie Driver. Skyler. Yeah, he, he, he says that to Skyler and he says it out of anger, so it, it seems like it's very true in that moment. But he does lie a lot about his past. And it, he it's does, just, it's but a, they 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 with scenes that he's not in, they talk about it when they're looking through his files. Okay. So okay. It, I don't I didn't remember that true. specific. But yeah. It, it's just there there are moments where you do when he says things specific at least that you have to kind of look into his meanings behind right. it because he is a very deflective individual. He doesn't want to look in on himself. He doesn't want to think about who he is as a person. In you know, everybody throughout the film, everybody is telling him that he is so smart. He needs to be doing more with his life. Yeah. Not only for himself, but for the rest of the world, even you know, for it, for his friends, and and it's just a thing. It, it just constantly weighs on him. He just wants to right. be lazy he just wants to be with his friends he just wants to you know to go out to the bars he doesn't want to be this big shot he wants to work to live he doesn't want to live to work exactly and when Stelton Skarsgård finally approaches him he's like will you have you know basically it comes down to you have two options go to jail for a large portion of your life Mm -hmm. or come under my tutelage as a as a math student in a way and see a therapist and you know to avoid jail you know even though will hunting thinks therapy is is a joke uh he he decides i'll do this just to avoid jail and ends up going to like so many different therapists eight or nine therapists constantly Uh, getting turned down from them because he just kind of works it back on them yes where he sings when he's under hypnot uh hypnosis apparently he's starts talking about what's going on but really he's just talking the lyrics of um, afternoon delight and yeah. that seems pretty fucking hilarious that's a great scene 
<laughs> eventually, Stellan Skarsgård's character, I cannot remember his name. Oh, it, it is uh, Professor uh, Lambay. Lambay? Lambo. It's either Lambeau Oh my gosh, that's Lambeau. Jerry. It was Jerry. Jerry. Jerry Lambo. Yeah. That's right. Jerry Lambo. And, and yeah. yeah, Jerry finally gives up and goes back to his old friend from college who is uh who teaches therapy, right. talk therapy, Sean, played by Rob Williams. And he he talks Sean into at least trying to help this kid. You know, he's like, just take a few sessions. You know, the kid has gone to so many therapists and has just not tried at all to connect with therapy. And he's like, I think you can you can reach this kid and you can help him become useful to me as a math student. Right, right. And, you know, Sean agrees. He's like, sure, I'll meet with the kid. And those meetings that happen are just some fascinating cinema. Because oh, obviously yeah. obviously it's just it's it's scripted at times. There are certain things that are obviously monologues that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote. But there are so many times when uh, Robin Williams is just telling a personal story, like about his wife or about uh, his, his own backstory or anything, or just like making anecdotes to to connect with Will. That you can tell it's just Robin just being improvising, like improvising <laughs> a story, and it is yeah. funny and it is deep, and like there's so many times where I'm like moved to tears almost by what Robin is saying because it's just like it's it's very connecting and and. I don't know. I've I've done therapy, and I've never had a therapist as good as Sean. <laughs> <laughs> and no offense to the therapists out there if they ever attend to listen to this, but like that's the kind of therapist I kind of want is somebody like Sean who literally does go the extra mile to connect to care about your this, these people because it's the it's the development of Will Hunting's character throughout this that I find fascinating because he goes from being this anger filled individual. To learning that love isn't something to fear, to learning that emotions isn't something to fear. Uh, I mean, I'm sure at the end he is still very masculine and stoic in, in regards to his emotions, but he's opened up a bit more. And he's more, uh, I don't know, I enjoy that journey. Though it does, it does have a few of those scenes where you're kind of like zooming in on Matt Damon's face and like it doesn't have the equations floating in the background, but it, it's very much those kind of scenes. <laughs> But, like, they do uh, – there's this mirror shot where he's writing with dry erase on the mirror so that you can see his thinking face and him writing at the same time. I thought that was pretty clever. Right, uh, right. At the very least, I mean, I feel like that's a very iconic, very much copied thing in cinema now. But I feel like this is long enough ago that that could have been fairly original. At the very least, it felt original for this movie. Yeah, it's probably – yeah, so. I, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I just kind of blazed through how much I enjoyed. The, I mean, the, to right. be honest, with the the script, to to be fair to this one, just like with uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, the script is very predictable. Hmm. Like you, you kind of know all the beats once you get maybe thirty to forty minutes into the movie. And again, this is another long one. This is like two hours twenty minutes or something like that. And, you know, within the first act, or at least by the end of the first act, you can kind of figure out where Will Hunting's life is going to go from here and what's going to happen. And, and it's not the most original story. You know, boy mm. with a lot of anger issues falls in love with, with woman and she tries to soften him up or help him out to better himself. 
you know, it's kind of mundane romance, but it's the therapy side of it that is just phenomenal. And, you know, and it's, it's, yeah. it's another important message out there because even today still I hear people who are, you know, if you mention that you're going to therapy or you mention therapy as an option, they're like, no, I'm not going to go see a therapist. I'm not going to talk to anybody like that or that's just crazy. You know, I don't want to do that. No, therapy is a damn good thing for you. Yes, and I think that's just fear, really. Yeah, it really is. Those people, they're, they're afraid they're going to change their life so revolutionary that they're going to have nothing uh, right. left. Yeah, and, and it's a fear of opening up also and like looking in on yourself, like looking in at right. what you hate about yourself. I've been, I, you know, I've been thinking about seeing somebody here recently and I feel like this this movie maybe gave me the final nudge to do it. And like, it's not like I feel like I can't get through life without it. I just feel like it could be very helpful. Indeed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen three, I guess I'm, I'm comfortable saying that I've seen three therapists and it's a process, you know, you kind of, yeah. You know, you go through a couple sessions and you're like, this isn't the therapist for me. You know, you're not going to hit Sean out of the park. You're not going to get that one right. right off the bat. And like, again, that's another part of this film is he goes to, <laughs> to eight therapists until he finds one who is patient enough and willing enough to stand up to him and to right. let him in. And right. it's just, it is a, it is a, it's a, it's a game. You know, you got to find which, which therapy or which therapist is right for you because there's so many different types of, I mean, it's not just talk therapy. There's so many other types of therapy out there that psychiatrists and therapists can, could put out there. And, you know, I, I I don't know. I just love the movie or I love the message of this movie for that reason, because I think it's mental health is very important. And yeah, that stigmata that seeing a, a a therapist is a bad thing. It just needs to go the fuck away. And the monologues in this film too. So beautiful. I love the monologues, especially <laughs> there's a silly one with, uh, with Matt Damon where he, he goes for a job interview, uh, that's set up for him by, by Jerry. Uh, I mean, Jerry sets up a, quite a few job interviews. One of them, Matt Damon doesn't even attend. He just sends his, his associate Ben Affleck to go to go take it. I feel like it was only included because as Ben and Matt were writing it, Ben was just like, Wait, my character doesn't get a really good comedic moment to shine. I need people to know I'm a good comedian. <laughs> and so they wrote that scene. For him. <laughs> uh, but there, there's uh, there's another scene though where Matt goes to uh, Will Hunting. I mean, goes to this job interview, and then he's telling them this like absurd grand story of why he shouldn't come and work for them. Right, and like he starts the story. And then the film cuts to him retelling it to Sean. And he goes for a solid three or four minutes with this story. And it's uh-huh. it is very involving. It's very engaging, at least, because, you know, how, how Will Hunting talks, how he delivers these monologues is kind of enjoyably, like, easy to just sit there and eat up. He's a good yeah. good storyteller, just like Sean is. Sean is a great storyteller. It's pretty teller. good accent work, too. But I, if I, if yeah. I recall, recall correctly... Ben and Matt are from this area. Yeah, right? yeah, they are. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's doing the opposite of accent work, if anything. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> for Will, uh, I mean, excuse me, Robin Williams, I guess I don't know where he's from either. You know, I'm going to look up because for, for somebody that I, I 
actually care for so much. Right. I feel like I should know. But I just, I love that scene though, because once Matt Damon finishes that monologue and once four or five minutes has gone by, it cuts to, <laughs> cuts to Robin Williams and he just asks a completely non-related question. <laughs> <laughs> not connected to the story at all and it's just it's such a good comedic moment because it just cuts back to will and will's like what <laughs> did you even hear my story like what the fuck is that <laughs> it's such a good moment uh so uh robin williams was born in chicago chicago uh and i guess i had the date right in front of me his birthday was july 21st 51 Ooh, what a legend. What a legend. We missed you. Yeah, I guess I don't really have much else to say about uh to about Goodwill Hunting. Except that, you know, I, I I will heartily recommend it. I love this movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love the development of a character because literally within thirty minutes at the beginning, I and I think many audience members hate Will Hunting. He's an asshole at the he beginning. He's a bit of an ass. Yeah. You don't, I mean, you don't know anything about him. You don't know his past. You just see him literally just punching people just for the fun of punching people and doing some really terrible things. But as, as you explore the character through therapy and through Sean's uh, own personal issues that Will himself is helping Sean with, mm-hmm. I don't know. You, you, you grow to love this character. At least I do. And it's, it's a very moving film. With a lot of good messages. So, I mean, I, I just highly recommend it. It's a three and a half star film. Fucks. Yeah. Good movie. One of my favorite actors of all time, Robin Williams. Mm. He kills it. This is probably one of his best roles, is, as I think yeah. you said earlier. He doesn't necessarily get... Like he, like you said, he has those opportunities where he gets to tell stories, and I do crack up laughing from yeah. them. But that quick punchy stuff is not necessarily in this movie no it's because it, it would be inappropriate except for, for the uh yeah except for the my, my wife fought it yeah that's, <laughs> she used to fight herself good... awake <laughs> no shit she fought herself awake <laughs> you tell me right now that your wife fought it and she she fought it so loud that she would fight herself awake that's what I'm saying. Yeah, she fought it. She just fought it so loud, and, and she would roll over, and she'd wake up and be like, what was that? It's like, I'm sorry, honey, I fought it. You took credit <laughs> for it? <laughs> just <Hot> Stella. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love that scene, because it, it, that scene yeah. feels like it's, it might not have been improv, but that whole scene seemed like it was improvised, and it just seemed like Matt Damon was just, like, so shocked that Robin Williams would just, like, come in. It's like, all right, give us your best material. Okay, I'll give you my best material. My wife fired it, and it's like, well, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. <laughs> it just seemed like it was such a good moment. Yeah. So, that does remind me of, like, the first tactic that Robin uses, uh, rather, um, uh, Sean, is to just stay silent and let Will speak first. And it yeah. took, like, three or four sessions or yeah. something like that. I enjoyed uh, that too. And I, and I believe that he even told uh, Lambo at one point, it's actually impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> just like all he does is sit in there and just watch the clock tick away. Uh, yeah, it's like a whole hour. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, a whole hour. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I highly enjoy it. I'm thinking we might have a split on who we, uh, who we, who we I elect. Don't know. As a- okay, so what is the question? Is the que- if the question is which movie did you like better? I go a certain way. For these two questions, I go a different way. Which is a better cinematic movie, and which is the better performance by our actor in focus? Right. If it's those so, two, then I go with Goodwill Hunting. If I go with my favorite, it's purely for nostalgic purposes, it's Mrs. Doubtfire. And that's fair. And and I'm okay, honestly, with leave, leaving the final question vague. I think all three are answered by one film for me, and that's Goodwill Hunting. I think it was more of like a father thing, because it's like, I, I, love, I know my dad loved this movie, and I remember watching it a lot with him, and with my mm. mom, too. She was there, of course. But... It was just it was an easy bonding thing, so I feel like the 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 nostalgia is for me is more connected with Goodwill Hunting, even though we did watch Mrs. Doubtfire a lot as well. A lot, yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish uh, that there was maybe a third movie tacked onto this, but I don't know. I, I like yeah. Robin Williams a lot. Yeah, Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah, I think that would have been a good add to it. Or... Because I've actually never seen that all the way through. I've only ever seen scenes. Or we just go the the full non-comedy route and uh, it's what dreams may come. (laughs) Really not one of his best. It's a good movie. Uh, No, I kind of wish... It's a uh, weird-ass movie. Wasn't there one with Nathan Lane? Is that Birdcage? Oh, yeah, that would have been a good one. I would have enjoyed he's that. Pretty good in that. It's that is a really good movie, but I don't feel like he really kind of shines like he does in Goodwill Hunting. You know what? Just fuck it. We'll just do a Popeye. whole a whole Robin Williams playlist <laughs> coming to you. <laughs> yes, that would or, be good. Uh, patrons and just regular listeners out there, you can just go on and you know recommend a Robin Williams playlist if we ever bring up a playlist option again. I'm sure we will. Yeah, uh, right uh, now we are taking a poll of yeah. uh, of our next playlist after we do Matrix. So if you go down to patreon.com slash greenfaceless, you do not need to be a patron to vote no. on what playlist we might do. It's perfectly free. I think you just have to sign up for Patreon, right? You don't have to like submit. Oh, you might have to get an account, yeah. but you don't have to pay anybody money unless you no. want to. Yeah, you just put in your email on there, and then I think you even have an option to say, don't ever fucking email me. So, like, it's <laughs> <laughs> all it's needed. And we'd appreciate it. We, we, yeah, yeah, we, we like hearing everybody really else's voices and opinions, so we, wanna, yeah, we wa- and, want you, you know, guys to give us the options. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and say, if you aren't comfortable with giving your email, and you have a face uh, Facebook or uh well, yeah, if you have a Facebook account, you can go to our Facebook page. Just search Green and Faceless on the Couch. Then you can let us know in the comments there. How about yeah. that? Agreed. Keeping it simple for all the voters out there. Yeah. Keeping and it simple uh, by making it complex. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. 
Greenface is on the couch, here to confuse you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure we'll be confusing you like crazy next Monday with the finale of our Matrix uh, playlist. Yes. Uh, Yes. For now, our finale. I'm sure they can come out with a fifth one further down the line. We didn't do Animatrix. One day we could do Animatrix. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We did not do Animatrix, did we? We could do Animatrix someday. If you know, and if you guys are taking too long to let us know what you want to do for the next playlist, we'll just have to tag on Animatrix. We'll probably have to do Animatrix then. Yeah, shit. Yeah, that's right. I do own it. You do own it. It's I I mean, it's on the the same place we watched all the other movies. Well, I watched all the other ones on my DVD. (laughs) 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 I have, I have. the old like an old copy of the dvd um so it's it's hilarious they're all bundled together it's nice well until monday everybody i think that's the show i think and i am yeah i am the green traveler from gorsh and i am the faceless leon safe travels and good night green and faceless on the couch is a proud production of fiction works 19 if you like the show please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.